to the book of Acts, chapter 7. The title of tonight's message is To Be or Not To Be. That is the question. To be or not to be. I was thinking before God created everything, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to be or not to be. To be our creators, to be our Savior, to be our friend. Sure, that was a choice that they had before everything started. To be or not to be. And in the wisdom that you can't even compare of our God, our triune God, our powerful, almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they knew out of their precious love for every single one of us, how much they loved us, so much so that they were willing to be our Savior, to come to this earth. Jesus put it on human flesh, going to the cross for people like us who didn't even know Him yet. Yet He would come as a little infant, to die for you and me, and then to rise from the dead, knowing our struggles, knowing our pain, knowing our good times, knowing our bad times, knowing everything about us, everything that we don't even know that's coming yet. He knows it's coming, and He's going to wire. And He ascends into heaven, sends His Holy Spirit. We often hear how often, how much of the Holy Spirit has you and me. You know, we believe in God, we accept Him in our hearts. But how much do we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and in our lives? How much does He really control us? Or do we have that little joystick that just moves a little bit instead of just turning over the whole controls to Him? Where are we? Where are we tonight in our walk with Him? How much more does the Lord want of us than we're allowing Him to have? And will it be one year, 10 years, 15, 20 years before he gets all of us? Are we going to cheat ourselves of the wonderment and the grace and the mercy of our God? Where do we go from here? We're going to look at a man called Saul for a little bit before we go to the book of Romans. Pastor Mike, I picked a book. It's going to be the Book of Romans. So we're going to lead into the Book of Romans, but we're going to look at this guy, Saul. Okay, so if you look at Acts chapter 8, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 58. This is where we first come in contact with this guy named Saul. Now his name means desire. Desire. We're going to say in a little bit his name is going to be changed. But right now we're not concerned with that. We want to check this guy out before we get into the book of Romans. Let's find out a little bit about this guy. In verse 58 to 60. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. They're referring to Stephen here. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. There we see him for the first time, Saul. Desired his name. What does he desire? 
What is his name? What, who is he? We're finding out right now that there was this believer in Jesus, Stephen, who's being attacked. He's, been, he's, become, he's the first martyr of the church. And notice the people that are throwing the stones, they're lying their cloaks, their clothes, so they can get a free throw. So they can get loose and their, their arms aren't bound up when they throw that stone. They can really whip the arm and throw that stone hard at this guy who they hate. And Saul's just there watching this. Verse 59, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. First rock concert. And he falls asleep there. They thought they smashed him. They thought they just stoned him and just opened up the gashes on his head. Notice in that turmoil what Stephen was going through. Never before did he just cry out to the Lord and this, receive my spirit, Lord, as the stones are hidden. Lord, receive my spirit. And notice how he thought about the other people. Don't charge what they're doing. All these people, don't charge what they're doing against the Lord. Forgive them. Saul sees this. How do you deal with that? When you see somebody going through what Stephen went through, what's going on in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit when you see that? Does it change your desire? Does it change the way you look at people and things or your belief system? When you see a man have the conviction that he did as he goes to sleep, what the world calls death, but this man was not at odds. He wasn't fighting back. He wasn't picking up stones to throw back. He was like Jesus. He was silent. He went to meet his maker. Turn with me to chapter 9. And a good reading anytime is, uh, if you want to find out more about Saul, you can read about his life in Acts chapter 8 through 28, Galatians 1 and 2. 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. But for the sake of our teaching tonight, we're just going to go to chapter 9. Let's see a little bit more about this guy named Saul. Verse 1, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Those disciples were like you and me, everybody. But I wonder if like you and me, it was to varying degrees of belief. Various ways they lived their lives, what they get into, how much they spent time talking to Jesus and reading His Word. Did they do it once a week, twice a week, every day, 24-7, 365? One day, you know, we're going to be able to sit and talk with them. We're going to ask, we can ask questions like that. Hey guys, you know, if you had to go back, how would your life be different? That would be wild to find out some of the ways these guys thought and lived when they were on this earth the short time they were. Verse 2, And they asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now remember, Jesus had already been crucified. He had already risen from the dead, and he had already ascended into heaven. But notice, he knocked Saul down. Down is a good place for me and you to be. The name of Saul becomes Paul. I'm sorry, the name of Saul, yes, becomes Paul. Paul means little. When you are standing tall, it's not the same as when you're down, prostrate before the Lord and small. You see, the Lord can do big things with small people. We're not talking about seven-footers versus four-foot-five people. We're talking about their spirit, their heart. The littler, the littler you are to yourself in your own eyes, the more God can use you in big ways. And Saul, who became Paul, is a tremendous example for you and me of this. He had a zeal. He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But he was nothing. He was pompous. He was arrogant. He went around stoning people and condoning the stoning. That's not a man of God. It was a man of the law. Saul, who became Paul, was a man of the law. But Jesus, through his grace, through his mercy, made him small. Made him small through an adverse situation when Saul was on his way to Damascus to get more Christians. He was after you and me. He's coming to Jamesburg to get us. And the Lord knocked them down. He was an enemy. But by the time he got here, he was an untrusted friend who became a deep friend because of the grace and mercy of God. Verse 6, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Do you hear God's voice in your devotions, in the time you're in church? Or do you hear somebody else's voice? Is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart through His Word? Or don't you hear anything? Is your mind someplace else? Is it disturbed by the things and worries and cares of this world? Or are you centered? You're zoned in. You're in the zone. You're right there. Jesus, speak to me. I'm anticipating. I need you tonight, Lord. Speak to me something from your Word that no one else knows going on in my life. But touch me. I need that touch. I need the light of your Holy Spirit to shine on me so I can see. 
I'm not seeing too good right now, Lord. I feel blind. Verse 8, And Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. He was three days without sight. Understand that those three days without sight gave him a future lifetime of nothing but open vision. Through a very terrible time in his life where he couldn't see. Imagine. Bernard's not here right now. But he, he's blind. Is he here? Awesome. Praise God. But he can see. He can see Jesus better than most people. Do you understand that? That's a lesson for all of us. Do we see Jesus or do we have to have something taken away before we see him in a real, real way? doesn't have to be that way. But even if your heart is fully after him, understand throughout the scriptures, doesn't make life go smooth. Doesn't make life go easy. Life is life. Remember my dad. He had cancer. He was a smoker as a teenager. He smoked most of his life until he was about 60 years old. Then he got a spot on his lung. Had therapy for it. Radiation. It went away for about 10 or 15 years before it came back again. And it spread into his brain and eventually killed him. What do we need in our lives till we get serious with what's going on in our hearts and with what Jesus wants to show us? Verse 10, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in the vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. Notice the difference between Ananias and Saul. Saul said, Who are you, Lord? Ananias said, Here I am, Lord. Do you recognize the voice of the Lord through his word and through the people that God brings into your life? That's huge. That's, that's massive to know it's the Lord, to recognize the Lord. And you know how you recognize the voice of the Lord? By spending time with Him in His Word and hearing His voice as you spend time in His Word. Verse 11, So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. I wonder the intensity of Saul's prayer with no vision. Was it different than any other time he prayed with all the other Pharisees? who made all their noise in the temple that filled and echoed in the temple, I bet this prayer was the one most heard by the Lord. The one where he was blind and he was praying because of the situation he was in. Verse 12, And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. What the grace of God is like that in Paul's, Saul's condition, he would let him see a vision of this man coming in to lay hands on him to restore his sight. He's given Saul hope. 
Do you have hope you're holding on to today? Hopefully, yes. What's going on in your life that's really wearing you out? It's a burden. Do you have hope? Is that hope in a solution other than Jesus? If so, you're going to have to go through more till you know what is it, Lord? It's you, Lord. What do I need to do? I want to surrender to you now. I don't want to keep going on like this. I want to surrender to you now. No more. Total surrender. My total heart is open to you, Lord. Not just a piece of my heart. All of my heart. It's yours, Jesus. I want to get serious with you. Verse 13, And Anna and I answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Am I looking tonight in the privileged position that I have? In Jesus' name, am I looking out here tonight at people who are spiritually blind, that don't realize that you're chosen vessels of Jesus Christ, that He wants to use you to open up other blind eyes and other crippled legs and open up the arms that are crippled to Jesus. You are the chosen vessels. All of us in here, within the sound of this mic, are a chosen vessel of the Lord. Do you understand? You're precious in His sight. Forget about your sin. Forget about the sins you're struggling with. Forget about how young or old you are in the Lord. He cares for you immensely. More than the whole universe He created. That's how much He cares for you. He's here for you right now. What is He asking you to just say? Throw it at my feet. Throw it at my feet. And watch what I do. I'll surround you with a family of people to raise you up, to lift your arms, to help you and guide you in the right direction. I look out here. In the couple years we've been here, some of the brothers and sisters that have become so dear to Marie and me. That isn't us. That isn't you. That's a living God through the power of His Holy Spirit uniting us together to do a wonderful work. But we need to have ears and hearts to hear and receive and eyes to see. And hold on to it. Don't take it for granted. We're not in a church. We are the church. We're living stones being built up through the power of God's Holy Spirit for works of service. Works of service to whom? To Jesus. To glorify Him. To unite together. To be a light in a dark world that's becoming darker and darker and darker. But there's always a remnant. Are you a remnant? Yes, you're a remnant. You are. You're part of that family of God that God is putting together and building and making stronger every time we come together. And every time you just stay in your room and just pray and read God's Word, or wake up in the middle of the night and get into His Word, or have an iPod on or an iPhone and listen to praise music or pounding Scripture into your head or teachings into your head, it's changing your heart while you sleep. Are you doing those things? To renew your mind in a culture that's trying to rob you of all that stuff. It's trying to consume you. Every day. Doesn't matter how old you are. 
They're attacking you guys and girls, the younger generation. They want to, he wants to wipe you out so you don't have an effect. Guaranteed, he wants to wipe you out because you are the energizer, buddies. You're the ones who he can use to any level he wants to use. Don't get ripped off. Make sure the batteries in your pack are the Holy Spirit batteries. Not the false batteries of the world that you buy for a buck. Oh, look, I buy a buck and I get 40 of them. Instead of spending 10 bucks and getting two. Because those are going to run out as soon as you put it in. The nose will light up and that's it. You don't get anything else out of it. It's gone. It's cheap. But God's grace is not cheap. God's grace and His mercy is paid for by His precious blood that was shed for you and for me. God doesn't rest while we're sleeping. God's still working on your heart and my heart. While we're sleeping, He's still conforming you into His image. He did this with Saul. He's doing it with you. He's doing it with me. You're a chosen vessel again in verse 15 to bear Jesus' name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Open a window. There goes the prosperity message. Look, you're going to have to suffer if you're going to follow Jesus. Can you say, kill me. I'll be with Jesus. I'll be with Jesus. Kill me. Bring on the stones. I see Jesus standing, smiling, just with his hands opened up. Are you at that point in your walk with the Lord? That's where you want to get to. Because then what can the world do to you? What can the world do? It's lost. doesn't stand a chance. To live is Christ. To die is... Amen. Can't lose. That's some deal. Hope you're buying into it. Eternal investments. Tremendous paybacks. No bankruptcy. No inflation. No euro, dollar, or whatever. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, look at Ananias. How cool was Ananias? you got to remember what they did to Stephen. Ananias was either there or he heard about it, right? In his circle of Christian brothers and sisters. Look at the grace and the mercy of God flowing through Ananias. To Saul. Brother Saul. Brother Saul. It was only three days ago he was just knocked down. And now this guy's calling him brother. He doesn't even sing. And he's calling him brother. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was confirmed in Saul's life what he dreamt of about Ananias coming. When you read God's Word, it will be confirmed in your life by God's Holy Spirit and circumstances and other people that you come in contact with. God's Word does not return void. It's powerful. 
goes forth with a purpose. It's part of his authorship that he will never leave you or forsake you. And he who began a good work in you, even if you blow it, he's going to bring it to completion. Because he's a God of his word. I like to think I'm a man of my word, but I've blown it over all the years I've lived on this earth. I'm not 100% man of my word. But he is. Jesus is. You can count on him. Don't count on me. My goodness. I have to give you a calculator to count on me. Count on him, though. Count on him. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is all the time. It's not just once in a while. You want to be filled tonight? When you wake up in the middle of the night, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. When you wake up in the middle of the night, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit to overflowing. So I can just splatter on people today. Fill me with your power, Lord. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be less of me and more like Jesus. I want to be little. I want you to be big. I don't want any desires. Remember his name? Saul, desire. I don't want any desires. My desire is for me to be little, you to be great. Just like John the Baptist said. Verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. Remember the skin, a lot of you saw the skin up here that the young adults did. Remember the tug of war, Jesus and all the uh, forces of the world. And if you remember on that skit, what happened? When Lexi fell on her knees and started praying, and then praised God, that's when Jesus came out and just knocked down all the enemies. It's when she became little that he became great. We see it throughout the scriptures. It's not a secret message hidden for just some. It's for everybody to see, you and me. And it never stops. Verse 19, so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Can you imagine? The same disciples whose buddy Stephen was killed. They're breaking bread with this guy who was abounding, who was ordaining him, who was saying it was okay to the other religious people who were following the Pharisaic way. And now they had him in his house. They were breaking bread. Verse 20, immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Wow, what a change when he became little. How big he became for God. Verse 21, then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is, is the Christ. He became stronger, everybody. He didn't do this. That's not where he got his muscles from. He opened up the Word and got into the Scriptures. He spent time alone with God. That was his spiritual fitness room. He got his spiritual muscles going by spending time with Jesus. And he was ready for anything that came his way because 
He was with the head coach. The coach was getting them ready for the next game. Except the game that we're talking about is a life and death game. It involves people's eternity. It involves boys, girls, teens, young adults, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, until they go into the grave. It never ends for you and me until we meet Jesus face to face. It's, it's that serious of a business that we're talking about. So whether you call it game, life, whatever, it's, it's heavy stuff. If you flip with me to Romans chapter 1. We see Paul. A bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and separated to the gospel of God. Saul was from a place in Turkey called Tarsus. It was about 375 miles from Jerusalem. He was a Jew that was born in that area because of the captivity of Israel when they took the Jews to different parts of the lands. He was born in that area. He went to Jerusalem. He studied under the Pharisees, the rabbis, and became very learned in the law. Before he was Paul, he was a man of the law. The Ten Commandments, the, all the different laws, he knew them all by heart. But when he had a conversion, this experience, he became a man of God. He followed God, not the law. Big difference. Huge difference. If you follow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, rather than the do's and the don'ts. You see, if you follow the do's and the don'ts, as Paul says in the book of Romans, you're going to always fail. If you live by the law, you're going to die by the law. The whole study, college campuses, kids go up and they put a sign, or they put a sign on the lawn, do not cross over this part of the grass. And they put it at, on one of the lawns at an intersection. And they go up there and they have their little memo pad and they cross off every time a student crosses on the grass. And guess what? More students cross on the side where the sign was than on the other three sides where there's no signs. Because we love to break the law. Because we're lawbreakers. That's what lawbreakers do. We love to sin. That's what sinners do. We love to lie. That's what liars do. But God, to be or not to be, am I going to be their Savior and Lord? Am I going to be their friend? Am I going to be their creator? And he said yes. Long time ago. Way before any of us were around. He said yes. And he had a plan. A plan for each and every individual here. A bond servant. Bond servant was a slave who was set free and wanted to be a slave again. Anybody home? Why would a guy 
Why would a guy who was a slave who was set free want to go back into slavery? The reason is he fell in love with his master. There was no better place to be. You and I can be bond slaves also. But we find out when we're bond slaves of Jesus, we become his sons and his daughters. We're not servants. We're his heirs. We're his sons, his daughters. We're his love. Now, you don't make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Here's what happens. Your father is the devil. And he gives you those 40 batteries for a dollar. He rips you off. He shows you something that's pleasurable for a season. And then he rips you. Shows you that juicy apple and there's a raisin in it. Shows you that beautiful cake. There's poison in it. He's not concerned with your soul. Except to get it to be with him. That's all he cares about. But Jesus Christ, right here in that verse, Jesus Christ. Christ, he's the anointed one. He's the one that we've been always waiting for throughout history. Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. God is salvation. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved except the name of Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's a resurrection moment in your life and my life. As we're filled with the Holy Spirit and ready to go. God, what do you want us to do today? Point me in the right direction. I just want to go. Show me where the people are going. What are they doing? What's, what's happening? Where am I plugged in? What am I supposed to do? What's the next thing that you're going to propel us into? What's going to happen next, Lord? I want to be part of that. I don't want to miss it. The world is following the flow. And just like that saying goes, any dead fish can go with the flow. It's a live fish going against the flow. And against that flow, you build up muscle and strength as you go against the flow. Let us be people who go against the flow. Let us be like a Paul who became little in his eyes. So God could use him for big things. He was called to be an apostle. You and I are called. If you're here tonight, or you're listening on internet, you're being called. You're being challenged. God is calling you through his Holy Spirit to do works of service to glorify his name. And it doesn't matter your age. There's no limit. We're not done. Till we see him face to face. And even then, we're going to be coming down on horses to Israel. It's a great adventure. This is not over yet by any means. You need to come along on the ride. You've got to participate in it. You can't just sit and watch. You've got to jump in. What is the Holy Spirit showing you and telling you? Act on it. There's enough people here, the pastors, the pastors' wives, for the girls. Talk. Ask for prayer. There's nothing that we're going to hear 
that we haven't heard before or that we're going to hear again. You are not going to embarrass us. That's a lie of the enemy. We've been around the block. We know what's going on in the world. The same sins that took place back then happened when we were your age. And it'll continue until Jesus comes back. When the Bible says, confess your sins to one another, there's a reason for that. Because there's healing if you're confessing it to the right person who's going to hold you accountable and pray for you. If that's you tonight, don't leave here without doing that with someone. And if you don't know who to go to, and your girl, come to me and I'll tell you. Go to that lady, go to that lady, whatever. And I'll point out several guys in here for any of the men that are here, or young men. An apostle is one who was sent. You and I are sent. At the end of Matthew, go into the world and preach the gospel, and you start right here in your hometown, in your home church. What has God planned? No Myra who comes here, goes to Monroe High School, seeing if we can, uh, the young adults can do the skit with 40 to 60 high school kids in a public school. You don't think that's going to be an impact? You don't think that's going to the gates of hell? I'm in a public school for 37 years. I can tell you, I walked down the corridors of hell every day. I walk down with kids who are abused mentally and sexually. I'm walking down the hallways with kids who are drug addicts, alcoholics, who stay up 2, 3 in the morning because they can't get a peaceful night's sleep because their parents are partying. I'm going down the halls of our school where kids are living with their grandparents. They don't even know who their mom and dad is. And God's opened up a door right here in this area. If we catch on to what God's going to do, He's going to have to knock these walls down to fit the people in this area into this church. But it has nothing to do with the people outside. It has to do with me and you being right with the Lord and lifting each other up in prayer. We'll close on the last couple of words here. Separated to the gospel of God. What are you separated to? What am I separated to? Is it just going to work every day? Waking up, going home, going home, having a little snack, chilling out a little bit, going to bed, getting up in the morning, doing it again? Are we separated to hearing the Lord and seeing what He wants from us today? I tell you, doing the other things for 37 years in a public school system, I love it. I love working with young people. But I'll tell you, it's a lot better knowing that you're hearing from the Lord and going into that same arena than not hearing from the Lord. Or coming here hearing from the Lord than just coming here. What is the Lord confirming in your heart through the Scripture tonight that maybe He's been showing you the last couple weeks? Maybe just something you read in a devotion today. Or maybe that prayer with somebody, or you heard a, a song on the radio, or maybe you saw a, video, a film. What is it the Lord's using to try to get your attention? Do you have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive? Or is it just going in one ear? Maybe not even going out the other ear, it's just bouncing off and going back out into the atmosphere. Are you listening? Are you hearing what God's trying to say? Are you being separated to the gospel? Are you being separated to Jesus? Another word, sanctification. Are you holy? Are you being set apart by Him? If you don't know, it's easy. Jesus set me apart. 
just make me one of yours. Send me apart for what you want me to do. God bless you. I want to be separated. I want to be separated for you. You can do that. You might have already just done it in the 10 seconds I explained it. God heard it. God heard it. Become little so He can become big in your life. Get smaller. You know, an iPhone can make you really big in the eyes of the world. Because you can have 800 people out there. But you might be lonely. You're never going to be lonely with Jesus, whether it's one-on-one or 800-on-one. And finally, the gospel of God. There's no other gospel. There's no other good news. It's one that God has for you and me. That we're sinners. Jesus came because He loved you so much that He went to a cross and died. He shed His blood. And if anybody puts their trust in Him, they'll live forever. He'll fill you with His Holy Spirit. And then they took him from the cross and they put him in the grave. Now, all the things that Jesus said would mean nothing unless he was resurrected. Well, he was resurrected. He was seen by his followers. He was seen by his enemies. They saw him go up into heaven. And the greatest... I don't need any of that evidence. What Jesus has done in my life is evidence enough that he's revealed. Because I know I couldn't change. It was up to Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for the preciousness of Your Holy Spirit. We thank You for how You work in and through our lives, even at times when we're not faithful to You, but Your grace never ends. Your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, I just pray for each person here, including myself, that we would never leave you or forsake you, Lord. That we would never turn back from following hard after you. That Lord, wherever you